Rachel and Kate Spiritual Speak. Hello, everyone. Thank you for being here with us. Rachel and I are here together. I'm Kate and... I'm Rachel. (laughs) And we are so excited to be here with you. We do have a little bit of a lag time in our... um, in our speakings, and uh, we've had uh, some issues with electronics today. So we are asking the angels to help keep us all together. And um, today we're going to be talking about paranormal activity. And, you know, we've all had things happen to us that we're going, wow, did that really happen? Um, And today Rachel's going to give us some information about when she was a paranormal investigator. When she first mentioned that on our first show, uh, I didn't know that. So um, I'm really excited that she's going to be sharing things with us. And if you have any questions, you are welcome to call in at um, 646-668-8232. And if you're listening into the archive, you can email us at kate at soulkisses.com and Rachel at Rachel King, I'm sorry, it's Rach at rachelking.net. Um, and you can go to the websites, and we do have our email addresses there. So today we are going to be talking about paranormal activity, and I'm just going to begin here by sharing with you a couple things that have happened to me in my life, and then and then Rachel's going to take it away. <laughs> um, <laughs> when I was a little girl, we lived near, uh, well, we lived on the farm, and behind our house was, in the field, was an Indian mound. And uh, as children, we would go out there and, and look for arrowheads and, and things like that, and we would find them. And it seemed that even as young children, I remember feeling almost like not exactly unwelcome, but, yeah, kind of unwelcome that we really probably shouldn't have been doing that, that maybe it wasn't respectful and bringing things home. And and although we did love what we found, it wasn't like we picked it up and just, you know, threw it in a drawer. My dad put them in a case on the wall, and we honored them. But still, at night, um, when everyone would be asleep, I would hear things in the house. And it was a small house, so, you know, you knew that it wasn't someone moving around, some human but we would hear, I would hear things. Nobody else did. And, um, and through the years, different things have happened in my life. Some of the things that scared me, uh, the Indians at that time when I was a child, they, they didn't scare me. But uh, I've had things that have unnerved me, have happened. And, but since I've started my spiritual work, I, I don't get scared anymore. Uh, you know, I understand that it's a spirit that chances are they love me and they're just messing with me. Like um, the night that uh, it was the anniversary of my grandmother's death. Um, and I had been anticipating hearing from her that day and didn't. And I couldn't sleep that night. And so I was sleeping in the ga- I was in the guest room trying to sleep and the, my little, previous little magic was with me, and I had the ceiling fan on, and I was watching a movie on my cell phone. <laughs> and I was watching The Ghost and Mrs. Muir. And if you've ever seen that movie, when it came to the part where 
the ghost was trying to scare Mrs. Muir out of the house, he started doing this really hefty, ghostly laugh when she was in his bedroom. And when that started, the ceiling fan above me took off like a rocket. I mean, it was like jet propeller. It was on super high. It was on a remote. I found the remote. I couldn't get it to turn off. I couldn't get it to turn down. Magic laughed. And I could hear my dad and my grandmother just hysterically laughing because they freaked me out for a few minutes. But <laughs> so many times it, it is our loved ones trying to let us know that they're with us. Now, Rachel, I know you have a lot of experiences that you can share with us, and, and you can answer some of the questions that our listeners may have. So share with us anything that you're willing to tell. Okay, well, there's so much to say because I've been doing this for such a long time. But first and foremost, you are absolutely correct. Nine times out of ten, when something goes bump in the night or things switch on or something happens, it is usually someone we love just saying, I'm with you, I hear your thoughts, I agree with you, I support you. So we really mustn't be fearful. If it is something negative, we shouldn't be fearful then either because unless we believe something has the power to hurt us, it can't really hurt us. So I've found it so strange that since I started to develop as a medium all those years ago, I've never felt fearful when I'm dealing with spirit of any kind. It's like something else takes over, whether it's my guides, when I call Archangel Michael in, as I always do when I'm working with, you know, spirit that need to be told off and moved on. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't get fearful. And it's not a logical, conscious decision. It's just, I don't feel it. So it's really important that you don't show any fear, first and foremost, whatever is happening. It is our human nature to go into fight or flight mode. Our bodies take over and dump chemicals into the bloodstream that makes us panic or feel, feel, you know, get the fear response. But it's really important that, say, for example, you wake up in the night and you feel there's a presence in the room. Don't panic. Just sit very calmly, breathe, and just feel what might be emanating from that presence because that will tell you everything you need to know about whether you should be scared or not. If you don't feel a sense of malice coming off of whatever's there, then you have nothing to fear. You will know if you're in the presence of something evil. There is no mistaking it. Even you know, someone who's a complete muggle and has never had a psychic experience in their life will know if something malevolent is in the room because it will emanate just pure nasty and you can't help but miss that it's like somebody farting in the room you can't miss that Mm -hmm. (laughs) so Mm -hmm. you have to just fight the instinct to panic and just very calmly feel what is coming at you what's radiating towards me in this moment I always love um, a visit in the middle of the night even if it's woken me up because there's always purpose to that. Nothing wakes you up in the middle of the night for no reason. And when I had my paranormal investigation team back in the early 2000s, we would go to places and investigate them at night, not because it's woo-woo and scarier and spookier, 
but things just tend to be felt more intensely, especially around the early hours of the morning. So anything after midnight, whether it's us as human beings perceiving things more sensitively or not, I don't know. I've read up on that and there is something to that. But you tend to just be able to sense more when it's darker. And I think it's because you're not allowing the visuals, your eyes, to interpret too much and you are using more of all of your senses so we used to go to places that were very active but people hadn't investigated before because I used to like to be the first medium to go in and interact with whatever was there mm-hmm. and quite often the reason why there was activity was because somebody wanted to tell their story it was usually somebody that had crossed over perfectly happy to the other side but they wanted to pop back to the places that they loved, places that they'd lived out lives in that were really happy for them, and just tell us, the living, their history, their story about what that happened in their lives and, and all the rest of it. And I remember going to a, a haunted pub um, in Essex, and a, a gentleman came in, and he was wearing his war uniform, And he told me his name. He told me his rank number, like all of the digits in order, and told me his story. And when one of our team actually investigated him and looked him up, the number was perfect. It was exactly him. And his Mm. story was verifiable. So that for me was great because if you've listened to previous shows, you'll know that I didn't come to be a medium by choice. It happened to me. And I had to get control of it and then do something with it that had purpose. Um, so for me, those moments of validation, those bits of proof are everything because that's evidence that shows us that we really are talking with people that have been here and lived lives. You know, you can't make that stuff up. Mm-hmm. And so we had many fascinating experiences, one of which was so amazing even now it gives me chills thinking about it me and my husband rather than the team we went on a road trip to Scotland with the purpose of visiting friends of ours who lived the very furthest point north to become attuned to Reiki now this is many years ago this is 2004 and on that road trip we decided we were just we weren't going to book any accommodation apart from one night We wanted to stay in a castle and we booked a night in a four-poster room at a castle called Tullock Castle and we arrived and immediately, even in the grounds, I could feel there was something happening. It was such an active place and I didn't really know. When I booked it, I knew that there was a story about a green lady but there was nothing on the castle website about who she was or what was you know, the the story that went with her. And that intrigued me. I wanted to go there for myself and learn from her if she would come through to me. But what was her story? Mm-hmm. So we're in the grounds and straight away, it was early evening, there was just so many layers of what's known in the paranormal investigation world as a residual energy. So that's the imprint of events and strong emotion left behind by occupants and visitors during the history of the building and the grounds and the land. So it's as if the stone itself, the very fabric of the building and the ground, the bedrock itself, is steeped in recordings of these events and emotions. So if you think about somebody like me comes along 
like a receiver, like mm-hmm. a radio receiver, and I'm picking up all of this information. And we walked into the castle entrance, and immediately on the left, there was a dungeon. And it still was a dungeon, but they used it for weddings. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, yeah. So I walked past it, and I just felt all this energy like, rah, coming at me of, of things that had gone on in there. I thought, oh, I think I'll come back to that later. I'm not going to go in there now. And I felt that there was years' worth of people being imprisoned there and worse. And so we checked in, and the hotel, you know, the, the castle itself was like any sort of very luxurious hotel. It was very traditional, lots of wood panelling and tartan carpet. Um, and we went up to the top of the castle to room seven, which was our room. And it had a four-poster bed, and it was very, very luxurious. And it had a big wing-back chair in front of a huge stone fireplace. And so I just sat in the chair for five minutes before I intended to open up. I wasn't intending to at that moment. And then I was going to see who was in residence in the castle and sort of have a little walk around discreetly. But Spirit had got other plans because without even being aware that I was opening up, I felt a tickle on top of my head. I thought, okay. (laughs) And then it felt like someone was playing with my hair properly stopping and then doing it again <laughs> so first of all rational thinking I checked my head for a spider no spider and then I heard a giggle mm. so I looked behind me I couldn't see anyone so I tuned in and it was this beautiful little small blonde boy he was probably about six or seven years old and he was hiding between the chair and the fireplace after playing with my hair and I said hello to him and he played with my hair again so this went on for a few minutes and then he just he left the atmosphere and moved elsewhere in the castle. And I got the name Davidson. So there were many clans over the centuries that considered Tullock Castle to be their home. And his clothing was of a particular era that would tie in with, as we researched afterwards, when the Davidsons were in residence. And I felt that he comes back to the castle often as he had fond memories of the place, and he'd actually grown to adulthood when he lived there before he passed away. But even though he was at peace, he was literally popping in just for one of his visits, and he thought it would be entertaining to show himself to me as a child. So <laughs> that was as if to say, this castle won't hurt you. It's not threatening. Look, I'm showing you my child form. Here we go. Mm-hmm. So that was really sweet. And we stayed for a while in the room, and we waited until it got a bit darker, and I asked, some of the lovely staff there if there were any reports of activity in our room and the girl I spoke to said no but in the room next door there had been and it had been very active so Rachel, yeah Rachel let's take a really short break and okay. I I'm so excited to hear about what happened because Rachel hasn't even told me about what happens next so stay with us we'll be right back after this little break Do you need spiritual help? If you want to be stronger, confident, happier, fearless and a lot more able to roll with what life brings to you, work with me to learn how. I can teach you one-to-one or via distance learning how to control and enhance your natural clairvoyance and healing abilities with over 25 years of my own experience. Begin to transform your life right now with some down-to-earth help, interesting articles and tips at rachelkeen.net.
Live with Rachel and Kate Spiritual Speak. So Rachel sharing with us the paranormal activity that she experienced in a castle in Scotland. If you have a question, please call in to 646-668-8232 and push star 2 on your phone to raise your hand. Rachel, please share with us what happened next. Okay, so I asked one of the girls if I could roam around the castle discreetly and quietly just to see what I picked up. And she was fascinated. She was really into the subject. So she said, let me go and get one of my friends and we'll come with you. So I arranged to meet them in reception. So walking down the stairs, I was tuning in and... I encountered two spirits before I even got to the stairs. So the first one was the lady who I perceived to be the green lady that that was in the legend of the castle. And I really felt that she was going to talk to me, but not at that moment. So when we got to the end of the corridor outside our room, I was stopped in my tracks by a guard. He looked about 16th century in dress, and he announced himself as Edmund. And um, I told him who I was and I asked him permission. Can I pass? Can I? <laughs> it's like a Monty Python film. And he said, yes, you must continue. So we carried on down the stairs. Halfway down, I felt a sharp but not nasty push in my lower back. And this was about level with the corridor leading to room number 15. So I walked down that corridor thinking, okay, I'm drawn. And I became aware of the lady again. She'd got a long, dark silk dress on. I couldn't tell the colour of it. But she was looking out of the window down to the courtyard below. But she was literally mad with grief. She was angry. She was full of sorrow. She wouldn't tell me her name, but she just, she knew I was there. And I stayed a few moments, and I gently asked her a few more questions. But all I heard from her was, why, why, why? She looked out of the window. And I asked her if she wanted to move into the light, but she just vanished. So I thought, okay, I'll come back to her later. So I got a chill outside room 15. I got a, also a chill outside room 19 as well. I didn't like those rooms at all. And as I went down to reception, John went to find um, the girls for, to join me as I walked around. And as I waited, I noticed a man in a really dirty tartan kilt and a dark and swathe walk past the wood panelling into the area where the stone fireplace is. And I sat down in this beautifully carved chair in the corner and he appeared again, leaning on the newel post of the staircase, looking directly at me. And I thought, uh-oh. And he said, <laughs> you'll be sitting there long, lassie. And I was a bit unnerved because I thought, okay, um, I think I'm sitting in his house and possibly his chair. <laughs> so I could see him really clearly. He was quite small. He was wiry, long, straggly hair. He got a beard, dirty white shirt, tartan sash and kilt. Um, but he looked quite ragged. And he'd, he'd got some animal skin as well so it was part of the ensemble. So um, he was he was okay. He wasn't, like, angry with me or anything like that. But I couldn't even make out the true colour of his tartan because it was filthy, absolutely filthy, because I really wanted to see the colour so I could research it. But he disappeared again. We walked through the reception area, and I became really aware of a, a past event replaying there were two women, one was older in her late 20s, one in her late teens, and I felt the younger girl was very scared um, in a very beautiful dark gown, and I felt like she was being coerced into entering what is now the dining room to meet a man of power who 
was waiting for her arrival and she didn't want to go in. She said to the other woman, I don't want to go. But the other woman was forcing her in and actually pushed her into the room. And later on, I saw a painting of Catherine Davidson and I recognised her straight away. She was older in the portrait, but she was the same girl that was pushed into that room. Um, and I also felt that someone had been injured in that room as well. So that possibly could have been her as well. So I wanted to leave that room. I didn't like the feel of what had gone on there. So out of the frying pan into the fire, we went to the dungeon. And so I felt ill as soon as I walked in there. I became aware of people literally being left to rot, um, mm. probably in the 12th, 13th century. And the smell, you know, not the actual smell, but the, you know, the, the clairvoyantly perceived smell was overpowering and it made me feel physically sick. Um, mm. There were people that tried to take the castle by force and had been captured and they were put in there. Um, it was... You know, there were no active spirits there, but it was just the residual energy, again, of the nastiness that had gone on. Um, and there was someone who was a jailer who liked torturing people, so you can imagine what the energy was like there. I was very glad to leave that room, and I'm, I was really happy that weddings are held there now because I think that neutralises all of that residual energy and puts positivity back in there. But mm. um, I couldn't imagine personally getting married in there. <laughs> Not good. <laughs> so... Um, as we went upstairs into the main castle, there was a room with long stained glass windows, very beautiful windows. But on the way in, I, got, I became aware of a past event of a man being thrown right through those windows by other people. Um, and I saw uh, in my mind's eye a long oak table with a range of really grisly looking men in power sitting behind it. And they were passing judgment on someone. Um, and it was, you know, really very vivid, almost like it was happening around me. Mm-hmm. Um, and they they were being very awful to this person. And they actually thrust this person's arm into the fireplace. And at that point, I was like, no, I'm switching off from this. Don't want to see it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and I became aware that part of the area on the right of the room, a big nook, had been a chapel or an area of worship, which I asked about later, and that turned out to be true as well. So lots of you know, details being picked up about what was what really in the past, never mind what it is now. And I had a lovely experience in the breakfast room. It's a beautiful oak panelled room, all tables set out, ready for the guests in the morning. And I, I just saw this little elderly lady sort of bustling about. She was straightening tablecloths and touching about how standards were so much stricter in her day. And it was really <laughs> funny. She became aware of me and that I could hear her. <laughs> Um, she was at least 80 years old. She must have worked her entire life and refused to stop. And she wore like a floor-length black everyday dress, quite Victorian in looking um, clothing, a white apron, white lace-trimmed cap. Um, she was a very strict housekeeper. Um, she didn't approve of me being in the room so late at night and possibly disturbing the presentation of the tables for the following day. So we left her. Um, one of the girls at the castle asked me if she could be the old lady pictured in the dungeon. And I said, which picture? And she said, there's a picture in the dungeon of her. So we all went back down there. And there was, in the corner, a picture of her. And it was exactly the woman I'd seen. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was like, wow, okay. I was too distracted earlier by the um, torture, shall we say, that was going on for me to be seeing any pictures on the wall. And then 
finally we went to the great hall this beautiful beautiful room and one of the girls asked me to look up at the huge oil painting of the family on the wall and asked what I felt was there anything unusual and I said to her straight away someone's been painted out of this picture they've been painted out because of scandal and she looked at the other girl and I turned around and by now we'd actually accumulated about 10 other members of staff that I didn't realise had started joining <laughs> in behind me as I was walking around. I think Rhoda got round the castle and I I just saw the scene unfold and I said, I know now why Catherine was so full of grief. Basically, the man in the painting had been Catherine's husband and she'd been forced to marry him and there was I don't know who it was, but basically he was assaulting somebody in room 15. And his daughter went, was looking for him and she opened the, room into the, opened the door into the room and saw what he was doing. And she ran and she fell down that flight of stairs. Remember the one I had to push in the back? Mm-hmm. She fell down the stairs and died. Oh, no. And that's why Catherine was so full of grief. And that's why... She just kept saying why and why. It all made sense to me. At that moment, I realised why she was still not really at rest. So I then went and sat. I, I just I didn't say to the staff at the castle what I was going to do, but I said, I'm going to make sure that Catherine's okay. And as we went back up the stairs, I waited to feel her presence again. And when I did, I spoke to her gently and I opened up a portal and I asked Archangel Michael to come in and help her to move across into the light so that she could find peace and be reunited with her daughter. Mm. And I sat there as long as it took to do the work and she's at peace now. Oh, I just got chills. Yeah, it was it was an incredible experience, but it was one of the most sad, tragic experiences I've ever felt as a medium and no wonder that man was painted out of that painting after that because he was awful he was a bad person before he ever laid a hand on her and that I'm sure is the man that I felt earlier on in the night that she was being pushed into being introduced to mm-hmm. so it was it was a happy end to what had been a couple of centuries of tragedy because wow. she'd been stuck, she, you know, that there must have been other mediums or psychics or, you know, people that could sense things that had been there. And it absolutely baffled me why no one had actually helped her before. Mm-hmm. And this is an important thing for me anyway with paranormal investigation. As a medium, you have a great responsibility to make sure that whatever you come across, you can deal with it in the most gentle way possible for the greater good of the living and those that you find that have passed away. Mm-hmm. And when people leave an unhappy or a sad spirit without attempting to help them, that's like walking past somebody on the street that's been assaulted and just stepping over them, in my opinion. So mm. it was always important for me on every investigation we ever did that if I came across someone that was stuck for whatever reason or unhappy, had unresolved issues, and they needed to be helped over, I made sure that I stayed as long as it took to do that. Even if we were there till six in the morning, I would sit there and I would get the work done because I couldn't leave somebody in that state. Mm 
Did you find that they were afraid that they would be judged or that something awful would happen to them if they went into the light, that they were just afraid? Yeah, most of the time, yes, because sometimes they were people that had done something bad, you know, not awful, but sometimes you've got to remember, you know, depending on what era these people were from, people were terrified on a religious level that even if they'd done something a bit naughty, like not gone to church every Sunday, they thought they were going to burn in hell. And mm-hmm. so they didn't want to mm-hmm. go to the light because they thought that punishment and retribution was waiting for them. And I, it was my job, I felt, to say to them, look, that doesn't exist. You, you have to trust that when you step into that light, there's nothing but love waiting for you. And everyone you've ever loved is waiting there to be with you again. Mm-hmm. And that's the reality of it. You know, unless you've done something seriously evil, there is nothing that's waiting on the other side in terms of punishment or hellfire. Not at all. And, yeah. you know, people were fearful. You know, when I've come across... and I, I mean, I still do the work now. I just don't have a team. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so when I, when I do house cleansings for people or if somebody's got some activity that they just want to stop... I still do the same work. I just do it all distantly now because I've worked on it for so many years that I draw it all to me here to work, you know, on home ground so that mm-hmm. people aren't doing anything in their homes whilst I'm working. And it's really important to me that it's done properly. And a lot of paranormal investigation teams, they don't do it properly. They just waft in, shout, which is something you should never do, by the way, if you think you've got a spirit... Don't be rude to it. Don't shout and certainly don't swear at it because that will make them work. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's take a very short break here and then maybe you can share with us what we can do when things happen. We hear that bump in the night or we open the door and something whooshes past us. Um, Mm -hmm. And we'll just take a short break and we'll be right back. Is worry dragging you down and robbing you of joy and happiness? Then it's time you met your worry angel. When you get the free essential mastery tools from the Soul Kisses website, you'll be gently guided to meet your worry angel and learn to work with him to live your life worry-free. There's nothing sadder than an unemployed worry angel. Meet yours and keep him employed. Go to soulkisses.com to get your free essential mastery tools. You're live with Rachel and Kate Spiritual Speak. sharing with us some really interesting information on her experiences with paranormal activity in a castle in Scotland. And now we're going to talk about some of the things that we can do. Uh, and, you know, here we are in the year 2016, and, and you know, talking to spirits is mm, becoming more mainstream. But sometimes we have those experiences that we we don't know. Is this someone that's that's friendly, or is the, is this a loved one, or or is this something else? So she's going to share with us some things that we can do to 
um, neutralize that situation, and especially if it's in our home, to make our home a much happier place. Thank you, Kate. Okay, so first of all, if you're not sure what you're dealing with, it's best to get somebody like me who's a professional who can cope with whatever it is to deal with it. But if you do have some psychic sense and you are able to perceive things like whether a spirit is male or female, that kind of thing, you can, as I described earlier, you can sit and just get yourself very, very calm and centered. First and foremost, never panic. No matter what's there, don't panic. And make sure you place some protection around yourself. So... To do that, you can send roots down into the earth, visualize them wrapping around your legs and your feet very gently, and just fill your entire body with white light and use that visualization to make sure you feel very calm and safe. And then once you've done that, what you can perceive is usually a lot clearer. I would always recommend just gently saying hello I'm aware that you're here. If there is something that you want to have heard, if there is something you need to say, please go to somebody that I know that can hear your message fully. So, for example, if you guys know me, (laughs) as you do now, (coughs) you can say to them, go speak to Rachel. Get your message through. If you want to have a little try at them speaking to you, you're going to have to make sure that you are fully ready for that. If you're not sure, send them to a professional and they will. They'll go and seek out the path of least resistance. If they need to talk, they'll find somebody who can listen. Hmm. Sometimes they'll just appear to you first to be the conduit to making that happen. Mm -hmm. I would always recommend when there's been any kind of activity in your house, even if you can't pinpoint who or what's doing it, do an elemental blessing of your house. There is a step-by-step version on my website. You can download an audio guide to it or you can read it word for word. But it's important that you do cleanse the atmosphere and make sure that your home is harmonious. If you are psychically aware and you can actually communicate with spirit. Always do it gently, respectfully, never angrily. Ask them to tell you what it is that they're attempting to communicate. Sometimes you can sit with a pad and a pen, and they can help you to write words or maybe even draw symbols. But you have to be very certain that you are happy with that. If you're not at all sure, don't do it and get in touch with somebody who can. Mm. But it's important that when your home has been active, you do need to make sure you rebalance the atmosphere afterwards because it can get a bit too much. It can charge the atmosphere into a state where you start to feel anxious. Um, There are various ways you can do that. I mean, some people burn sage, some people burn incense. I use an elemental blessing, as I've just talked about on my website, which draws on air, water, earth and fire. I'm not saying set fire to your house that's represented by a tea light candle being carried around. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. it's really important that you don't get scared. That is the best piece of advice I can give you. Don't get scared. 
We've all seen horror films which have completely and utterly given us the wrong idea about paranormal activity. It's so rare that you'll come across anything that's really violent or deliberately trying to mess with you. It's so rare. So usually it's loved ones. Mm-hmm. And I think we've got some calls actually, Kate. So shall we, shall we speak well, to no one, No one's got their hand up. If uh, I see that we do have several people on the line. If you have a question, please push star two, or if you'd like to just talk with us, push star two on your phone to raise your hand. And if you're in the chat room, too, and that's not working, hmm, Hmm. I'm going to pull this person on the line uh, to make sure that, because we have had some technical difficulties, so if you've got your hand up, I'm pulling you on the line. Um, The last four numbers of the phone number are 6470. Hi, you're on the air. Okay, I think that's feedback from, hello? Yeah, that's feedback. Okay, uh, another person here is, last four numbers are 4055. Hi, you're on the air. Hi, Kate, this is Mary. Hi, Mary, did you have your hand up? I No, I didn't, and then I put it up, and, and I did it twice. Okay, um, so we did, okay. Well, I'm glad we brought you on the air. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? And hi to Rachel too. Hi, I'm up early. Hi. I'm probably up earlier than most people here in California. <laughs> it's eight after eight. Anyway, um I I just want to tell you, Rachel, I really appreciate what you're talking about this morning because I haven't had people around my house that I feel, but I've had a lot, a lot of orb activity in my garden. And I'd get up at 6 a.m. in the morning and I'd take pictures and it would ju- I'd just have oh, just an array of different orbs. And then when it would rain, I'd take pictures again. And I haven't had this activity lately because I'm not looking for it, but when you have that kind of presence, what does it mean? Okay, well, hello, Mary. Um, I'm Hi, going Rachel. To, I'm going to be a little misskeptic for a second because... One of the things we had to do in paranormal investigation is eliminate what could be atmospheric conditions. So you have to um, look at, is there moisture in the air? Uh-huh. And that's the morning there probably is. <clears throat> so what's being captured by your camera lens can often be droplets of water that are invisible to the naked eye, but especially if you use your flash, um, they can be picked up. Also... When water droplets get very close to the camera lens, they can look like orbs as well. But I I honestly do feel that if you took a series of pictures in those conditions and some of the pictures didn't have any orbs and some did, then you can eliminate just the pure fact that it's moisture because every single photograph would have orbs in if it was just moisture. So when you have a series of photos where you have something, then none, then something again, that usually tells you that there is some kind of spirit present. Uh-huh. So always look for the rational first. It could be that you're taking photographs on very dry mornings and there's nothing coming out because there's no moisture. But on the mornings where you feel there's a presence, try and get them to interact with you and your camera. So you can ask them to show themselves or could you show some lights 
or can you show me something unusual that my camera hasn't captured before? And that will then tell you that you've got someone interactive with you that actually wants you to capture their presence. Orbs are usually just kind of like exhaust fumes. They're, they're a byproduct of a spirit coming into the atmosphere. Okay. You know, it's an energetic reaction, so to speak. So orbs themselves aren't like vehicles for sentient beings or anything like that because there are some people that feel that, you know, if you look at an orb, you can see a face in it. That's the face of the person. No, that's not true at all. That's just part of the structure that you're looking at that's been captured on the photo. We are, as human beings, programmed to look for faces and, and things in random patterns because that, as babies, that's how we identified our mothers before we could see properly. So you have to incorporate the science into it a little bit just so as you're uh -huh. not away with the science. <laughs> well, I have a whole so, album full of uh, different pictures and, you know, only two or three that are there was rain. But it, yeah. it just I just wondered if there was a presence. Um, but I, I can be so left brain most of the time that I, I'm, I don't know how to do this, pick up on, um, you know, a spirit energy. But it, it thrilled me. It just really thrilled me because I love my garden, and that's what was showing up. And recently, Kate, did you see the one I sent you of my grandson? Um, it's in your email, I think. Uh, Oh, he, twice now he's had big orbs show up in a photo, and he's only three years old. So it, it's just odd. <laughs> yeah. um, Mary, I don't think I've seen that. If you'd resend it, that would be great. Where shall I send it? To your email? or? Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, I did. I, I didn't put a, a, a message in the, you know, that information box up there at the top. My name. Let me. I'll do that this time. Okay, great. <clears throat> But anyway, I, I just I enjoy I'm enjoying the show and I'm I just wanted to call and say hi even though I'm half awake and I haven't finished my first <laughs> cup of coffee. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you we for calling in, Mary. I know you're running out of time here, but blessings to both of you and I love you both. Oh, oh thank you, Mary. You. We love you too. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Have a good day. You too. Uh -huh. bye bye. Bye. Call him. Bye bye. Wow. Yeah, that was an interesting point actually about um, orbs in photographs of people. Um, mm -hmm. I often find that orbs in photographs of people are often family members because we tend to take photographs when there's some kind of occasion, don't we? You mm -hmm. know, if the family together, well, the loved ones that are in spirit that would be there if they were still here, they join in. They attend birthday celebrations and weddings and christenings and all the other stuff. Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't they? Mm -hmm. So I love getting those. I mean, I've had thousands of photographs sent to me over the years, and I love looking at them, and I like looking at them open, you know, as a medium to really decipher, is this a presence or not? And it can be very difficult to when you're not able to do that to discern what is a true photograph of something paranormal and what isn't. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Well, this has been a really exciting program. Rachel, thank you so much for sharing all this wonderful information and these experiences that you've had. You know, when when we find things in our homes, we have these experiences, 
especially if we don't have anyone to talk to, it can be really scary. But in listening to what you've shared with us, you've given us so much information that if I know if any of our listeners have something yeah. happen, the first thing they'll do is think about what you've said and not be afraid. Exactly. Always use your rational mind first. Look at what's happening and say, could that be attributable to something else, like a window being open or a draft? Look for the practical first and then look at the paranormal. But, mm-hmm. yeah, it can be a massive subject, and I'm sure we'll talk about it more again. Yeah. Yeah, we will. And if you have any questions and maybe you're listening to the archive, you can email Rachel or I. Please go to our websites, and the links uh, for the websites are on the Blog Talk Radio page. So go there, get the link, email us if you'd like to talk to us. And we will be live with you again on the first Thursday in August, and we're really looking forward to that. So everyone have a wonderful week, and we'll see you very soon in August. See you soon. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm. Bye-bye.